gives it to Wall. Working against Bradley for three. John Wall! What a shot! Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drive! Bledsoe back to pass, steps up, going deep, caught ball! T.O. is leveled by Sean Taylor, and he's slow getting up. There's going to be a run back from 9 deep for Jacoby Jones, and look at him go! Jones is past the 50, and he is flying! Inside the 20, and a kickoff return, 109 yards and a touchdown, an all-time record! Holding inbounds to Nicholas. Four seconds, three seconds, he's across midcourt. Two seconds, one second, throws it up. Money. And he got it! And the Terrapins win on the shot by Nicholas at the buzzer! Hoyes win! Hoyes win! Hoyes win! Hoyes win! Hoyes win! Puck in front, Connolly with a chance! And they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Hey, what's going on, everyone, and welcome to the DMV Dispute. I'm your host, Jeremy, and you can find me on Twitter at jsquared021. And I'm joined today by my boys, Darren and Gerard. Darren, Gerard, how's everything going with you all? Everything's going great, man. Everything's going good. All right, Darren, where can they find you on Twitter? Y'all can find me at dbirdhoops. That is D-B-I-R-D hoops on Twitter. Congratulations to former Wizards lottery pick, Jan Vesely, for EuroLeague MVP. Just don't come back to the NBA. We don't need you here. (laughs) Wow. What about you, Gerard? Where can they find you? They can find me at Roddy KG. That's at R O D D Y K G. All hail Brand the Broken. It's lit. We went on the final episode. It was amazing last night. I'm see, sorry. See, I, I, meant it. To, I meant to I meant I meant to tell you. <laughs> I meant to ask you, did you like the ending of Game of Thrones before I we like- uh, even started? Because a lot of people have been saying they did not like how it ended. Some people even said eight seasons wasted, but you as the, as the only game of Thrones fan on this podcast, was it a good one? I enjoyed it. I got into the show late. And so I didn't have 10 years of, you know, building up with it and getting more excited. Each year came out. I binged watched seven seasons of it and got hooked, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good show. Um, it's one of those things where one of your favorite shows is ending. So you're no matter what happens, you're going to be disappointed because it's over. You can't, they can't go back and fix it. You can't do anything about it. So you're just going to be upset. But I, it was great. It, this finale read, was great. The, the final. Read the last book. Read the last book, people. I don't. I'm not reading the last book. I don't read any of <laughs> the books. <laughs> read, and, I, and one thing before reading we go on. Birds. I'm not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> And one thing before we move on, I, I'm going to act as if I did not hear what you said. Because, I, I mean, like I told you all several weeks ago, I'm on ep- season two. So I, I'm Come way on, behind. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, y'all. As always, we are proud to do this podcast from one of the top 
sports websites in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and that is dmvsportsnetwork.com. They can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at dmv underscore sn. They have some great daily content on the website of all things DMV sports, whether it be professional, college, high school sports, and a lot more. So after you listen to this podcast, go ahead and check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. In addition, please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, and many more. Let's get this show on the road. Last Tuesday at the NBA Draft Lottery, the Wizards were disappointed because they ended up getting the ninth overall pick. In last week's episode, we asked, you know, where did you think the Wizards were going to end up in a draft lottery? Were they going to stay uh, at the projected number six? Or were they going to move up a few spots? Or were they going to move down? Um, Darren, what did you say the team was going to do? I can't remember what you said. I said it would be so Wizards for them to drop to 9 or 10, and I predicted that's exactly what would happen, and that's exactly what happened. You're welcome, hey. Wizards Twitter. Hey, what about you, Gerard? I can't remember what you said. I believe I said they were going to move up um, somewhere in that top four. I thought that, hey, you know, luck's been good to us in the lottery before. Maybe it'll happen again. Not the case. Not the case at all. For the record, the New Orleans Pel- New Orleans Pelicans won the NBA draft lottery. They're picking first. Number two is the Memphis Grizzlies. Number three is the Los Angeles Lakers. They moved up from the twelfth, the projected twelfth spot, all the way to number three. And then number four, I'm sorry, number f- number three was the Knicks. I'm sorry. And then the uh, Lakers moved up to number four. Uh, and they moved from from tw- the projected 12 spot to number four. Our Wizards dropped from the projected six spot down to the number nine spot. Um, when you, you saw the results of the draft lottery, I'll start with you, Gerard. Was there a feeling of disappointment or just more like it is what it is? I mean, of course, it's a feeling of disappointment. You know, the lottery is the one silver lining you have to a bad season. It's that one little glimmer of hope. Like, hey, we had an awful season. Injuries to John Wall, and then another injuries to John Wall. Dwight Howard being a broken back of a player. Um, Markeith Morris being a mystery until he was traded. The Ubre trade debacle. All the stuff that happened this season that left a bad taste in your mouth could have been washed away with a top three pick. And, you know, even if they stayed at six and was fine there, it would have been, you know what, top ten, top ten pick, top half of the uh, of the lottery, it feels good. It feels really good. But then, you know, oh, karma or happenstance or kismet, whatever you want to call it, Pushed the Wizards from six to nine, which they had a better chance of landing a top three pick than landing the ninth pick, which is ridiculous. But it happened the way it happened. Um, It's unfortunate. It's just this draft. I've been hearing a lot of mixed things about the draft where it's people saying it's top heavy, where it's going after the top three of Zion. John Morant and RJ, that it's a huge drop off. And I don't see it that way. I think 
it's one of those things where this lottery class will be better than last year's lottery. And at number nine, there's some guys there available that are legitimate, you know, come in day one and give you solid minutes right away. You know, I don't want to see uh, another Troy Brown rookie year or Otto Porter rookie year. Yeah, yeah, injuries were still. Or a Kelly Oubre rookie year. I want somebody to come in, be put into the ro- who's good enough to be put into the rotation and produce for you right away. Um, so it's a, we'll see how it goes. But yes, I was disappointed from the very get go. As soon as number nine came up and I saw the Wizards, I was highly disappointed. I was not disappointed. In fact, I just. Again, I predicted this. So I was like, you know what? This is this is par for the course. This is so wizards. Hashtag so wizards on Twitter. Look it up. It's trending. It's it's it well, it was trending that night. All right. But I mean this is just par for the course. That that's that's what it is. I all right. I'm gonna say this and feel free to just feel free to just jump in if you think it's crazy, you know. On some level, I believe that the lottery is absolutely rigged. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. Okay? There is no huge storyline if Zion Williamson is drafted by the Wizards at number one. There's no big storyline. There's nothing that makes it interesting. It's like, oh, the Wizards The Wizards are such a mediocre team that they often just aren't even worth talking about unless John John Wall was at Rose Bar on a Saturday night instead of like Ooh. training or working out, you know, which I'm sick of hearing the next I've railed about this earlier this week, but I'm not going to get into it now. But it's just like the Wizards just there's nothing that anybody wants to talk about. If you look at those top 4 picks, there are there are storylines there. There's there's storylines for all, nearly any of them getting the the top pick, except for obviously even, Memphis, but there's still say even there, Memphis. There's, no, 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 no. But but here's the thing. So obviously, w- with New Orleans getting the number one pick, there's a storyline there because you know Anthony Davis is requesting a trade. If they get the number one pick, either Zion becomes a new heir apparent, or maybe they can talk Anthony Davis into staying for his final year playing alongside Zion. I don't think it's going to happen. Obviously, it's reported he still wants to trade, but there's a storyline there. Memphis getting number two, not a big storyline, but you know, with Mike Conley getting getting older, and then John Morant um, being projected possibly going number two, it creates that whole he's going to be the next guy to take over uh, once they move on from Mike Conley. So there's a storyline there. The Knicks, it's just it's always entertaining to see Knicks fans get the get disappointed. So you know it's just that's how it is. And then the Lakers, the big story is you know where do they go? You know you know that they want Anthony Davis, and now that New Orleans has basically all the cars, they have the number one pick, and they have the power to trade Anthony Davis anywhere. It like it makes it that much more interesting, and also just the storyline of of course the Lakers moving up. Um, all the way, like leapfrogging everybody to the number four pick. You know, there's there's obviously, you know, storylines there for three of those top four picks. Uh, but my biggest takeaway from this is the amount of Wizards fans that I saw over the year who were just 
cheering on this team to lose and got so incredibly disappointed when they would win games because of tanking and whatnot. I think that these new draft lottery rules where, you know, it's a little bit more spread out for teams to possibly get the number one pick. Uh, I think that this has shown that tanking just really isn't worth it. And it just frustrates me to no end that Wizards fans would be they're so mad that like, oh, the Wizards can't even tank right, or why are they winning games, you know? I mean, I just, I, I don't agree with tanking, I will never agree with tanking, and I think this just sort of proves my point that tanking just has no place in the NBA anymore. You know, when the Lakers, who were supposed to get a lower pick, you know, get the top four pick, and the Wizards, who were projected number six, had better chances of getting a top four pick than getting the ninth pick, ended up dropping to nine, I mean, that just shows that tanking isn't worth it. So I'd rather just cheer for our teams to win as many games as possible than, you know, cheer for them to lose and be, you know, basically laughing stocks of the NBA, except they're not prominent enough to be laughing stocks of the NBA. But anyway, just... Uh, I think that we should all take a lesson from this in that we shouldn't cheer for this team to tank. We should cheer for them to actually try to win games and learn how to win games. So long story short, I kind of expected this. I'm not super disappointed, but it's just I'm more disappointed in all the circumstances around it than what actually happened to the Wizards at the draft lottery. Okay. A couple of things I'm going to have to go against you on. Uh, outside of the Knicks and the outside the Knicks and the Lakers, the Wizards have a much better storyline for drafting or even getting close to drafting Zion or John Morant than the Pelicans or the Warriors. I mean, Pelicans or the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies. What's the best storyline from the Grizzlies you've heard in the last five years? That Justin Timberlake's a part owner. I mean, what like what's going on in Memphis that anybody cares about? Then, I was I was today years old when I found that out. Uh, and then, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he like, he's been a part owner. I knew I knew he was a Mem- I knew he was a Memphis super fan because he's like he's from there. But I didn't know that he. Uh, I didn't know he was a part owner. Yeah. Um, but that's my whole point. That's the most exciting thing about them, and you didn't know that. But yeah. <laughs> there's nothing going. There's nothing going on in Memphis. Their best player is Jonas Valanciunas, and so like it's like who cares? Like it's like them. Like them get a number two overall pick. They honestly should trade it. They should trade it and get value back and get future picks because they're going to be because even they draft job, they're going to be bad for a long time. Ja and Jaron Jackson paired with Mike Conley and Jonas Valanciunas is not a good team. It's not. They're not winning anything in the West. They're not going to do anything. Mike Conley is a man who's paid a lot of money. At one point, was the highest paid player in the NBA. He's not going to, and he still can produce at a decently high level. He's not going to want to play mentor or player coach to a young kid. He wants. He's going to want to play. Plain and simple. And, you know, they're playing stuff. You would say they could play together. Like, no, they can't. They can't play together. I just don't see it. And then the Pelicans, out before this Anthony Davis thing happened this year where he was saying he wanted out, what was going on in New Orleans that was so interesting? The Pelicans were just the team the Warriors beat before they beat the Rockets. 
Like that's all the war. That's all the Pelicans were in the West. That you know they either got beat by the uh, Warriors in the first round or in the second round or whatever the case may be. They don't. They're not good for anything. Zion to DC would have been much better than Zion to any of the top two teams. You're you're. you're the way you said it made it seem like DC was this secondary market or something. It's DC. It's not. Big- it's not. It's not a secondary market. It's just. It's a. It's a market. It's a team that nobody wants to talk about. We're we're such a mediocre team that we're not in the news. They have to create drama between our star players just to have something to talk about when it comes to the Wizards. So it's not it's not that they're a secondary market or anything. It's just they're not an interesting team that people want to talk about. They're not an interesting team because John Wall's been injured for three years. Um, it's out. They're not. It's different than they're not an interesting team because there's no star power there. It's different than they're not an interesting team because they haven't had success in a decade. It's, it's different than that kind of stuff because you could say that about a lot of teams. You could say that about the Suns. You could say that about the Grizzlies, honestly. You could say that about the Magic. You could say that about a lot of different teams, the Nets. You can't say that about the Wizards. They're in a major market. It's not like they're in Indianapolis or – San Antonio, like even though San Antonio's won and they have a really good franchise in San Antonio, you know, there's nothing to do in San Antonio when there's not basketball being played other than go see the Alamo. And so DC's a major town and it's well documented. And we know this by being young black men who live in the area or from the area. It's a very good area for you to, for athletes to raise their families and to have their families to be a part of the community. That's why you see a lot of guys when they're not, even though they might not be from here originally after they're done playing, they seem to settle down, especially with like red skin players. You see a lot of red skin players who play for the team that were originally from here, but ended up having their families here and wouldn't stay in this area because of the area, the type of area it is. And so, you know, it's a place where players want to play, I think. And I think that if the organization was a little bit better run, it might be a legitimate free agent destination for some players, but the organization needs to be run right now. It's not even being run right now. Nah, we're gonna no, get into this. We're gonna get no, into this a little no, bit later. I'll don't give. I'll give Tommy Shepard his due. He's running the organization. He's making sure that things are going normally. So if it's him or whoever takes over, it's good. Like you said, we'll get to that. In, we'll get to that later. But I, like I said, I think that. You know, I'm not saying that it's a waste that Memphis got number two, whether the Pelicans got number one. It's not a waste because it's good for there to be some parity in the league. That's not always the same teams. Um, It's not always the same teams doing well. But basketball is better when the Knicks are good and when the Lakers are good. Just flat out it is. It's, it's, It's no denying it. And... You know, D.C., even though it's not one of those marquee cities that's had a lot of success, it's still one of those places where if we get the right situation going, this is a really good sports town. The Capitals proved that and when they won last year. The Wizards can, you know, figure it out 
and find some success in the same building, you know, people will see just how big of a sports town this really is. And um, I think that the draft lottery was unfortunate. Number nine, still not bad. You can still do something very very good at the number nine spot that can you know, bring in somebody that could come in that we really need, whether it be a guard, whether it be a big man, whether it be a forward or a wing. Just get it right. That's all that matters. Just can I can sure. I ask can I ask this real quick? Uh-huh. With that with that number nine pick, I have my own thoughts, but with that number nine pick, who would you like to see? Or even if it's not a player, what position or positions would you like to see them most draft at number nine? Four. Um ideally a guy who can play either the three or the four. Um like Rui Hachimura. Uh, uh, you guys keep trying to. Try he's the that. he's the sleeper pick. He's a sleeper lottery pick. There's, I'm gonna say it. Well, here's that's the thing though. I don't like sleeper lottery picks because, uh, and we're not in a position to draft a sleeper lottery pick. Like it's one of those things where, more often than not, a guy who gets drafted in the lottery that. A lot of people didn't have in the lottery or as a sleeper lottery pick, like you said, they don't pan out. I'd rather, I'd rather get the guy who's probably more, than, more likely than not never going to be a superstar, but will give you legitimate starter uh numbers and gameplay and is going to be relatively healthy throughout his career than the guy who if he reaches his max potential he'll be a superstar but it's either that or he's going to be a complete bust i'd rather have the guy that's going to give me that's going to be a starter for the next eight years i don't want you know like honestly if i was a gm I probably wouldn't have drafted uh, Giannis where he, where he got drafted. I probably wouldn't have. I see why teams didn't draft him. Because, yes, it turned out great for Milwaukee, obviously. He'll probably win the MVP this year. But Giannis could have gone in a much different direction if the situation wasn't right, if the team wasn't right, and if the circumstances about his character and the people you put around him weren't right. And so... I get it. We're not in a position to draft a sleeper guy. I'm, I need somebody who's going to who's going to actually come in and get some excitement. Who might not be the best player in the draft, or not even maybe the best player we could draft at that position, but it's going to come in and fill a need not only for the team but for the morale of the fans. We need some excitement. You know, there's nothing exciting about this team. Nothing at all, and your boy from from Gonzaga is that, is that the yeah, school he plays? Gonzaga, he that's not going to do it for you. I'm from, so from, sorry. From from I'm Gonzaga, so, from I'm Gonzaga so and Japan before that. That's not going to do it for you. I'm so sorry. I don't see it happening. I don't. I like. I like Nasir Little at number nine. Okay, I'll, I can I'll, see that. I wouldn't mind that at all. I like I like a shooting guard. I like somebody who can back up Bradley Beal. That's that's. I wouldn't mind Romeo Langford at uh, 
at number nine, I wouldn't be mad at that either. Um, like you said, a guy come off bench, um, back up uh, Bradley Bill. If you go small ball, push Brad to the three. Yeah. Oh, we the two. I ain't mad at that. Nah. Would I even be mad at a point guard? Nah. It'd be my, it'd be my last option. I wouldn't want to drive the point guard. What about, last question, what about Bruno Fernando? Not at number nine. God, no. At number nine, you're asking me about Bruno Fernando? Yeah, definitely not number. Definitely not, <laughs> no, not number nine. nine. You know, I feel like I feel like if he Ernie, might be number fifty nine. I, I feel like if Ernie was still in charge, he, that would be the kind of move that he would make. If Ernie drafted but thankfully, Bruno Fernando at nine, I'd drive to his house myself. That be <laughs> that might be the dumbest thing he would have done outside I mean, of trading trading the number five pick for Randy Foy and the white boy who could shoot. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well. Talking about general managers, uh, the Washington Wizards still do not have a general manager. Tim Connolly, he met with the team over the weekend, but returned to Denver without a contract offer. Uh, There are some reports that there was a – well, there's there's different reports. There's one report saying that there was no – true contract offer and there's another report that says uh the hiccup was based on the amount of years that tim Connolly would have been given on the contract that uh tim wanted five and the wizards wanted to give four so tim Connolly decided to return to the nuggets now <laughs> with all this going on the draft is exactly a month from today it is june 20th i mean what kind of position are are the Wizards in right now? Let's start with you, Darren. Oh, the Wizards are in a less than ideal position right now. And it makes me, it's frustrating because the Wizards have had a lot of good candidates come in. You know, apparently the list is, the list right now is down to um, our current interim GM, Tommy Shepard. Uh, it's down to possibly Troy Weaver and uh, Danny Ferry. Um Troy Weaver, I love. I've raved about him before. I, I've I've talked about him uh, uh, on this podcast before. Um, Danny Ferry is also a good choice. You know, he's got DC connections with his uh, with his father. You know, um, being here uh, for the championship year, nineteen seventy eight. Uh, but you know, it's it's not a good situation to be in because at this point. We may as well just stick with Tommy Shepard, who's been making all the decisions anyway, and give him at the very least like a one-year deal because, um, you know, it's just too close to the draft. And, you know, the combine is going on already. You know, we've already got guys there evaluating talent. And anybody, if you bring in somebody new, it's it's entirely possible that the talent uh, evaluation process and you know interviews and whatnot. All of this just kind of starts all over again, and it's really too late for the Wizards. Well, it's not technically too late, but it's too late for the Wizards to start all over again uh, with a new guy in the position. So you know, I love Troy Weaver. I've raved about him. I've wanted him here honestly for years. When it was very clear that Ernie was not the GM that was going to take the Wizards to where they needed to be, but. Um, 
you know, I'd rather stick with, you know, who we've got and at least know that there's some sort of consistency going through the summer because, you know, this is this is not good. I feel like the Wizards put all of their eggs into the Tim Connolly basket. It was pretty clear when they interviewed everybody once and didn't even bring anybody in for second interviews until, like, I think it was this week, right before Tim Connolly agreed to, to meet. I think Troy Weaver and Danny Ferry both came in for second interviews uh, earlier this week, if I'm not mistaken or at least they were spoken to this week. But I feel like Ted was really shooting for Tim Connolly, and either he bungled it or just Connolly realized that he has a good thing going on in Denver. And I don't blame him for that. Uh, I do blame Ted if he is the one that bungled it and just didn't want to give that fifth year or whatnot. Um, But, you know, all of this needed to happen before now. And just... I'm sort of of the mindset of just play it safe, uh, stay with Tommy Shepard for at least a year, and then if you want to start the process again, find find another GM next year, or at least see how he does this year, then then go with that. But, you know, the Wizards need some sort of direction, and it just doesn't look like they have one right now, because there's no telling that even the guys that are at the top of the list right now are even going to want the job, except for you know, Tommy Shepard, since he's pretty much already in it. So it's too late to just start over. So we may as well just go with who we've got now. So that's kind of where I stand on it right now. But I'm just, I'm disappointed and it concerns me that the Wizards are still in the situation where we haven't had a, a, a permanent GM for almost two months now with the draft coming up so soon. It's not a good situation to be in. Yeah, it's not a great situation at all. Um, I pretty much agree with you point for point. I don't think that any team ideally would be without an legitimate, not saying Tommy Shepard isn't legitimate, but he's not, you know, he's interim GM for a reason. Um, I don't think that any team will want to be in this position right now, and it sucks that it's our team that's in it. But one thing I would have to say whether you know, of the candidates, Tommy Shepard's obviously doing his talent evaluations and his scouting and working with the uh, scouting department. But Troy Weaver and uh, Bobby Ferry, they're probably working on their draft boards uh, themselves. You know, Weaver's still being OKC. They're out of the playoffs. Yeah. So he's still working, obviously. But, you know, no matter what, they've been watching these college kids and potential draft picks coming up uh, all year. So even if he has to come in in a month, it's just a matter. Honestly, I think at this point, there's no real surprises in the draft. You know who your draft board is somewhat set a month out. I think the main priority for whoever comes in as the GM is team evaluation. What can you do with this team? Is this team built to succeed long term? Is the coaching staff here? The coaching staff is going to get you wins long term. Is there anything that you can be doing as far as the training staff, the facilities? What can be done about the scouting department? Those kind of things are what you know is going to be the main focus for uh, the new GM. Yes, the draft is approaching. It's the most pressing thing in the moment. But after that, you have free agency. You have to figure out if the cap space we have is, you know, can we use it to land a guy that we really that we really need? Do we who do we bring back? What team? Who do you think is expendable? Um, 
And I think those are the type of things that the GM needs to come in for it soon. I'm th- and that's what I'm saying. I'm not that worried about the draft. It's important. I know it. But whoever we bring in, they've been doing their due diligence for a year now. It's not just coming in and having three weeks to decide who they're going to draft and do all the scouting and evaluating of all the players. They've been doing it for the entire year now. It's just going to be a matter of who fits this team best and trusting the uh, type of scouting that's been done with by the guys in-house already. But I think it's just more about evaluating the uh, team itself and making sure that this is a team that's working under a winning environment. Right, but that but that's that's just it. You know, it's they've been evaluating based on you know their individual team needs but you know when you look at it there's a lot of decisions that need to be made like you know who do you bring back that's that's already on the roster um you know what does this team need in addition to who should we draft you know there's a lot that that goes into it that you know i I think yeah they've obviously been been evaluating talent you know this whole time but you know, you have to really know this team. You have to know how this team operates. You've got to know what's the situation with John Wall. How is he going to progress? Is he? Are we going to operate under the assumption that he'll be back towards the end of next year? Or do we operate with the assumption that he's just out? You know, you got to talk to Bradley Beal. You know, you got to talk to Ted. You got you to talk to the other guys in the organization that have been here. You got to see who's also available in terms of like free agents and who we could realistically get here to help this team at least you know obviously not win a championship because we're much farther away than one year's prep is going to take but you know who can at least get us to being competitive and ideally you know back in the playoffs because ted's mindset at least from what he said seems to be playoffs or bust at this point you know, not even championship, just making the playoffs. I firmly believe that if the Wizards have made the playoffs this year, Ernie would still have his job, which is sad and disappointing. But, you know, that seems to be where, where Ted Leonsis is. So, you know, you have to look at all these things and figure out what's going to be best for this team in that aspect. I think one thing that I want to have the new GM really focus on it's a conversation with Scott Brooks. If I was taking over the team and I had a meeting with the head coach, I think my very first question to him would be, why didn't the Wizards make the playoffs last year? Um, I think that's a question I want to hear from Brooks. I understand. I see what he says as to why. and I think that's something like you just said. He has to, whoever the new GM is, has to go and do all that. And that's why I'm not necessarily worried about the draft. It's just the thing that's happening first. Uh, I'm not worried about it in the sense that, yes, he has to understand this team. He has to understand our needs and draft based on that. Like he can't go out and, you know, draft. I mean, it doesn't matter what position he drafts. Not like we have a super, like a super uh, stack 
depth at any one position. So any any pick would be justified. But it's not like he can go out and just fumble the number nine pick. But at the same time, if he does it and does it correctly, it will just completely shape the rest of the uh, offseason and open the doors to a few questions, open the doors to different possibilities. Okay, so one one super quick thing. Now, this has like zero or point zero 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 one percent chance of ever happening, but Scott Brooks, coach and president of basketball operations? Not even a little bit. He can't even handle player rotations. I don't want him in charge of acquisitions, player management. I want him to focus on the one thing he is there to do that he's barely done well in this time here in D.C. Just coach. Just focus on the X's and the O's. Focus on the score sheets and all the good stuff. Focus on that. Run and practice. That's all I need you to do. Run our practice and wear a suit on game day. Anything else is too much. Anything else is too much for Scott Brooks. No, I hate and I hate that coach, um, uh, president of basketball ops title thing that's becoming more and more popular. I, I, it should be two different people working as one, not one person. I I also hate that. I agree. I just I just wanted to see kind of where you stood on it. That's yeah. kind of where I expected, but I just you know, especially given the fact that the Wizards don't really have anybody in place, and Scott Brooks knows the team. Eh, oh, who okay. knows? But but yeah, yeah, no no no. I I agree with you. I agree. With you. I, I'm with you, Gerard. There's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Scott Brooks really couldn't even handle the basic stuff uh, as a head coach so yeah definitely not going to have multiple duties with this team (laughs) man man. but i know i know you were just throwing it out there uh darren so like but hey that 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 could have sparked that could have sparked the whole thing i was like "Hmm, (laughs) that is something like a lot of teams have to actually think about and they have to address like hey do we just why don't we just have someone that's already here and see what they do uh, with the town that we have. Um, before we continue, it's time to tell you about DMV Sports Network's library of podcasts. Right now, we have nine active shows. I consider ours the best, but you know, there's still some great shows that are part of the DMV Sports Network. Uh, shows for the Redskins, Capitals, Nationals, Wizards, and Ravens, and a lot more. There's Fantasy Fever, which deals with all things fantasy football, and a pair of mixed bag shows from It's About Time DC and Diamond Thunder. All of these shows are available wherever podcasts can be found, so please check them out. And if you like any of these shows, please leave a review and subscribe on the platform of your choice. Let's now get into the Washington Redskins. Today was day one of organized training activities, also known as OTAs. And 10 minutes into the OTA session, linebacker Ruben Foster went down with a knee injury. He was carted off the field. And then later, it was diagnosed as a torn ACL. He'll be out for the entire season start with you Darren is how impactful is this injury to Ruben Foster 
how how, impic- how impactful will this injury be to the Washington Redskins defense? Well, I was really excited about Ruben Foster. I was really excited to to hear that you know the most that the NBA was going to do was just find him two game checks and that he'd be available at the start of the season because Ruben Foster. When he's out there playing, he's a good player. He he's a solid linebacker. You know, he's I I, I like him a lot. Um, this is just this is disappointing, and I think it does hurt the Redskins defense. I don't think it's gonna be a reason why uh, the Redskins you know lose. I don't think he's gonna be like a game changer in that he necessarily affects how many games we win or lose, but. You know, his absence is definitely going to be a factor. You know, it is something that, you know, Gruden was counting on. You know, uh, I believe there was, there was a report that Gruden actually wanted to, um, to draft Foster, uh, originally. And then they opted to, uh, draft Jonathan Allen, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, I know that, uh, Jay Gruden really likes him a lot. Uh, and, you know, I think he would have been good for this team, but, you know, I think one of the bigger things that I'd like to focus on here is just the fact that these leg injuries keep happening to our Redskins players. And I've, I've said this, I've said it all year. You know, something needs to be done about the Redskins, you know, athletic training staff and whatnot. Cause I think this rash of injuries, I know that football is such a high contact sport, like injuries like this happen all the time and they're, they're, they're just a part of the game, but I mean, something is wrong when your players are getting these kind of injuries, particularly lower body injuries with this amount of frequency. You know, we had two quarterbacks with broken legs last year, one who is possibly in danger of never playing football again. Um, and just Darius Geis, obviously, um, he was out all season with the, with his knee injury, and now Foster is out all season with his knee injury. You know, something needs to be dealt with as far as, you know, our athletic training staff and just, you know, overhauling and improving it so that we can do more to protect our players because this just, this isn't right, you know. Uh, and I don't wholly blame the players for these injuries, but something needs to be done about the... Uh, Redskins training staff and just why these injuries keep occurring. So that's my biggest takeaway. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, praying for Ruben Foster, hope he, hope he gets better, you know, hope he's able to come back and still play his game. But, you know, this is definitely a problem. And we've had players that leave here and say, you know, that were injured, like most of the time they're here, and then they leave and they end up being healthy and playing well on other teams. So, you know, that's a pretty bad reflection on our team and our training staff and just, you know, something needs to be done about that uh, as far as the Redskins organization goes because this is just honestly unacceptable. But, you know, Ruben Foster, hope hope he gets better. It's a shame he's not going to be able to play. But, you know, wishing him well. But, yeah, his injury was very bad. Yeah, the injury, of course, when I heard it, it was just like, oh, man. Uh, Skins can't catch a break, you know? And it's one of those things that's just like, uh, uh. And it's at one of those positions where the depth is really, really thin. 
Now, Foster out of the lineup. Projected starters to inside linebacker are Mason Foster and Sean Deion Hamilton. And it's that's not that's not, you know, necessarily a bad thing, but Mason Foster, we know who he is. Yep. And Sean Deion Hamilton, he's had glimpses of playing time, but not nothing to really say that, yeah, he's ready for the show. He's ready to be a starter in year two. And he has injury issues as well. And so he's the reason why he was available so late in the draft when he got drafted because he had a, what was it, a broken back or something to that effect or something like that, I believe. And some kind of back injury. Or leg or knee issue, or either way, he had an injury and then he had to come back from. I think that, um, I think that with Foster going down, I think it's becoming clear that there is a huge issue, like you said, with the training staff. I think I said on Twitter today, if there's a hot seat in D.C. for the Redskins. It, it's none hotter than the training staff. It has to be. There has to be, tra- there has to be changes because there has to be something done about all these injuries. Um, and Ruben Foster, you said, I think you said that you don't think he, will, he was going to affect um, a lot of know whether or not we win or lose, I strongly disagree. I think Ruben Foster was going to be a huge part of whether this team has a 3-13 season or a sniff a wild card spot type of season because, the like I said, the depth and the talent drop-off in middle linebacker is very, very steep, maybe more so than any other position outside of safety where – you take away one of the starters like we have now, and it's a lot of question marks. They're talking about having to bring in people outside the team right now to come in and just to get through camp. So they're looking for veterans. And the top three candidates I saw earlier today were Will Compton, Zach Vigil, and Manti Teo. And that right there is scary that those are your three best options because it's a position that was really weak in free agency to begin with. And you wait, and now this comes up right at the start of OTAs. So now you have to scramble, figure out what you're going to do. We have Shane Ray who was drafted this past uh, a month or so ago, but he's a special teams guy at best. He's not – you know, he's probably going to be a borderline practice squad guy. And so you can't expect him to make any real significant minutes. And if you do, you're kind of forcing his hand and speeding along the development of his of his, um, his game. And I think that would be, be a mistake. I think that we, with or without Ruben Foster, you know, we weren't a locked playoff team. So I do I guess I see your point there with that where you know we're gonna be out the playoffs with or without him. But I think the defense took a hit because Ruben Foster was supposed to be that three down linebacker that can defend the run and is solid against the pass. We haven't had that since London Fletcher. And 
I think that without that, you're back to what you had last year. Uh, with Foster and Deion Hamilton playing that Zach Brown role, that athletic guy, that high-pursuit guy to get to the ball, but nobody really being able to help out on the passing downs. And, you know, then you got the Josh Harvey Clemens coming back, and it's, it's it really does throw a whole big wrench in everything. Like you said, hope he gets well, hope for a speedy recovery, because if without him, this doesn't look like a truly – you know, improved defensive unit. Without them, you know, you had Yale, uh, Landon Collins is an upgrade over DJ Swearinger, but, you know, at, outside of that, you're just hoping that guys you already have here develop. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to discount Ruben Foster's impact like I I do think that it impacts our our defense for sure you know I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that I I didn't mean to say I didn't mean to imply that you know oh it's still the same defense with or without Ruben Foster I I, I don't disagree with I, I I don't believe that but I believe that in the grand scheme of things I believe the issues regarding the Redskins and like their depth and whatnot I think they go deeper than Ruben Foster so that you know I don't think they're going to be the difference between. I don't think Ruben Foster is the difference between, like, you know, uh, a, a five and eleven season or like a, a a ten and six season or or eleven and five season or something like that. You know, I don't think he's that. I don't. I don't think he makes not, that. Not that extreme. You know, if you say five and if you say. She said, "What five and eleven? Five, and, five, five and eleven and eleven and five, or, or even ten and six? I don't think he's that that's big a of a huge swing. But yeah. if you have Ruben Foster and Ruben Foster being there, even if he's not the one making the tackles, but just his presence and you know forcing the forcing the opponent to shift things in the running game, if he's responsible for Ezekiel Elliott having forty less yards in a game." Every time we play the Cowboys and he can limit Saquon, every time we play New York, that's possibly a one and three split versus two of your divisional rivals flip to a two and two or possibly three and one split favor for the Redskins against two division rivals. And that right there can change the entire tide of the season. And it's just that one little thing where a guy, an inside linebacker like Ruben Foster, whose uh, potential has an elite talent, even though he might not put up a whole bunch of numbers, but he makes an impact. And especially in a division like ours that is really physical and you need the interior guys to be solid and know, and that's what, and that's, how you succeed. That's how you win in the NFC East. There's not been an NFC East team that has had real success that didn't have a dominant front seven. Um, and that's because you need one just to get through this division. No matter how the other teams are stacked up, you need one to get through this division. And, you know, our front seven took a hit today. You know, you hope that 
Sean you know, Hamilton now steps up, next man up. But we know, because we know we're going to get to make some Foster. You're, you're not going to get anything different than what you've been getting the past few seasons. So now you're just hoping that the wild card is Deion Hamilton. Um, there, there, and, there are reports that Mason Foster apparently lost. I think it was like 15 pounds in an effort to get faster. So I think I saw that report earlier today when I was uh, reading about this. But yeah, still, you're right. You you basically know what you're going to get from Mason Foster. He's the player that we know he is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I mean, yeah, it does impact our defense. I just don't think, I just don't think it's going to be as drastic of an impact simply because, you know, we, we, we both sort of predicted last week where the Redskins were going to fall. And, you know, I think... I don't think Ruben Foster is necessarily the difference between uh, second in the NFC East and third in the NFC East. Um, given I do. I, 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 do. I, I don't, I, I don't uh, know. Because conversely, if Zach Brown's able to, if Zach Brown's able to be a legitimate starting inside linebacker for you than games we had against top running backs and top tight ends would have been a lot more level and we would have seen a more balanced defense. And I think that's I think that's what the Redskins are necessarily missing. I think the front seven is really good, especially now that you add Monte Sweat in there. That the front seven is really, really good. And as far as the pass rush goes, the down linemen, the DNs, yeah, the DNs and the outside linebackers, the edge rushers, they've we've had they're solid and from solid to great all the way across the board. And, you know, it's where it's the interior linebackers that really mess you up. And the, it's just the middle of the defense between the linebackers and the safeties is where you had a whole bunch of issues this past two seasons. And, you know, you like guys like Zach Brown and, excuse me, DJ Swearinger. You like those kind of guys because they're improvements over what you had. You know, Zach Brown's improvements over the Keenan Robinsons of the world. But he wasn't a legitimate starter, unfortunately. And Swanger was an improvement over the Will Blackmans and the Chris Hortons of the world. But it wasn't a it wasn't a setup. It wasn't he didn't elevate the team the way you really wanted to. Ruben Foster had the ability to do that because that's what he was coming out of college, coming out of Alabama. That's what he was. So I got drafted where he got drafted. He was, you know, he has the potential to do that. And now that potential was gone. And you replace it with somebody who's who played alongside Ruben Foster at Alabama. And so so the intangibles that you got from coming up in the Alabama program, you know, that's still there. That camaraderie that he, they had, that he has with John Allen and Landon Collins and Deron Payne, that's still there with Deion Hamilton to start lineup. But now you have 
a position battle and question marks at a position where you didn't before. And the middle linebacker spot being the voice of that all of that defense, it's never a good spot for that to be the case, especially when it wasn't the case going into OTAs, when injury or trade or disciplinary issues or whatever the case may be force you to make personnel changes is always when things start going off the rails. True. I I can see that. I just I I I just I, I just have a little bit less faith in this team than you do. Probably. Oh, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't have any faith in this team at all. I think we're gonna be awful. I think Ruben Foster was the difference between a three and thirteen team and a six and ten team. Don't get me uh, wrong, he's that's not a, not a not a three not a three and thirteen and a four and twelve team. No, no, no. <laughs> but you know, I think that he that his type of play and his potential could help sway games in our favor. And I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, Ray Lewis or anything like that. That'd be great. But I'm not saying that's what he was going to be. But I think that just having a guy that not only is a respected locker room guy, but dominates and does things for you on the field is what this team, especially the uh, younger guys on the team. uh, I mean, Ruben Foster's young himself, but especially the guys that the rookies and the one and the people like the Ron Payne really would have appreciated, but we'll never know. We'll, we will never know. We'll have to find out next year. Maybe. Hopefully. All right, let's now move on to the Washington Nationals. The last six games, which was three games between the New York Mets and three games between the Chicago 3-3 split. They won the series against the Mets 2-1, but lost against the Cubs 1-2. And general manager Mike Rizzo made some comments and actually said that he believes that this team can still win the NL East uh, should the, I mean, obviously the nationals are going, the players are going to want to actually win when it comes to the organization. Should the goal be to win the NL East this year, or should we be trying to plan for the future? Start with you, Gerard. I think that we should honestly just pack it all up and, just shit the season in. I don't think that we are built to make a run this year, and I'm not going to give Darren an aneurysm by saying we should tank, but <laughs> I, I don't you know where I was going. But I'm, at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, what might be looked at as tanking by some people, it's development of your youth players, your younger players. And I think that, you know, if you feel like you're not going to really be in the contention to make a run doing what you've been doing and doing what you set out to do with the plan and you had a place before the season started, at that point, you say, you know what? 
let's have some fun. We're going to put some guys. We're going to play with the rotations a little bit. Play with the play with the lineups. We're going to try to get our pitchers some win. Uh, our ace pitchers. We're still going to try to get you guys some wins. We're going to try to get um, our best bats some runs. We're not going to just blow all this up, but we're also going to you know try some things strategically that's a little bit different because we're at this point. We don't have anything to lose but the potential to grow. Um, I think that this team is heading for, you know, new manager and, you know, shakeups to the roster come time, come time in November. But I think that it's one of those things where do what you can to make the product entertaining. Yes, winning is the easiest way to do that, but – if you can't win games, you know, people would rather see exciting losses than, you know, just frustrating losses. And so I think that that's the way to go. That's the way I would want them to go. I think that I can get excited about, you know, this Soto kid, he's, you know, I can see him winning an MVP in two years. I, can, I, I you know, I can see get myself excited about that. And I can get myself excited about whatever other young players that they give a little bit more of a light to. But I think trying to steer the course is going to just end up costing people jobs and frustrating them. And it's not going to ever get to the point where you really want it to be. I... I... It would be hypocritical of me, given what I said earlier about tanking, to say that the team should just pack it up and prepare for next year. So I'm going to say, even though I don't wholly agree with it, I'm going to say the Nationals should still just try and win as many games as possible, you know, and try to try to do their best. I know it's it's asking a lot, and I know that where they stand, it's not really promising it's also very interesting to hear mike rizzo say that we could still win the nl east when just recently he was saying things like you know it's terrible you know he went on uh 106.7 the fan you know where he just loves to sort of rail about the team's uh deficiencies and and how much they they have issues and whatnot um so it's interesting for to hear him say that they could still win that they could still win when it's just probably not going to happen. But, um, you know, so I have to, I have to stick by my point of where I don't want to see teams like actively, you know, try to lose or, you know, tank, so to speak. Uh, but I, to, to go back to one of your points where you talked about, you know, like, it's sort of the same as like, you know, focusing on player development and whatnot. I think that a part of player development is learning how to win. So, you know, and I've said this about, you know, like the Wizards, I've said this about the Capitals in the past. Uh, I've said it about the Redskins even, but a part of that development is really just learning how to win. And I don't think... I, I, so I don't necessarily believe that you need to lose to, to develop players or that, you know, you just need to need to pack it in and just focus on the future. I think that with the guys that you've got here, you know, 
if you can do something to teach them how to win games or to teach them, you know, what it takes to actually, you know, be competitive, then I think that that really means a lot. But, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say that, uh, I, I don't believe that the, that the Nationals should just sort of pack it in. I do believe that they should start thinking about next year, obviously, because, you know, I, I don't really believe that this season can necessarily be saved. But, you know, I'm also not going to be in favor of just, you know, so to speak, cheering for them to lose uh, in that aspect. But, um, yeah, I just have to stand by my point of where I want them to win games, even if it seems like the least feasible option at this point. I still want to see my team win games. Yeah, and I think that's how every fan feels. Um, And as bad as all of the teams that haven't won anything, so pretty much everybody but the Capitals. I mean, the Nets have been good. They just haven't won. But as bad as the seasons have been in the recent years and just in general over this century, let's call it, since, 2000, since the year 2000, it's the teams have been bad. Like the Redskins have had years when they were really bad. The Wizards have had yeah. years when they were really bad. It was. It's rare that you know. It's just the thing of, hey, let's just go out there and see what it's like. Like we're still, our, the fan bases here are very, very hopeful for whatever reason. This is probably the first time. This time right now might be the very first time, in maybe ever, that. Skins fans and Wizards fans are dwindling. I think because DC is such a transient city and it's coming up on an entire generation that hasn't seen success from either of those teams or any of the and or or the Nats. There, you know, the Nats were the only are the only team in town and they were good and and they are still very good, all things considered, but. It's one of those things where they're losing fans and they had to figure out as much as, you know, so, uh, the game, it's about the game itself. You got to have fans. And, you know, sometimes you get fans from winning. Most times you get fans from winning. You know, eight years ago, Golden State was known by nobody. You know, you ask a 12-year-old kid or 15-year-old kid back in 2010, what city Golden State played in, you probably would have said L.A., you know? And so it's one of those... Ask them who run TMC is. You'll get some funny answers. (laughs) And so it's one of those things that, you know, the Nats are in a situation that they haven't been in since they came to DC where they're not very good where they have names and there's excitement going into the season, but it doesn't live up to it. And so now they have to try to figure out now they're, I'll have to figure out how to operate just like the other teams outside of the Capitals have to do. And that's how do we operate when we're not good? Cause if they've probably forgotten how and 
it's the teams that it's the teams that know how to operate when they're bad that don't stay bad for long. And because like look at the Colts. They somehow went from one iconic quarterback to probably another one. And zero time at all. And so and then he Andrew Luck went down. They were really bad again. And then they turned it right back around with Andrew Luck coming back and building a defense for him. And now they had another good draft this time, giving him some weapons. Like it's and that and it happens all the time. The Cubs for the longest time couldn't buy a win. They were this you know, iconic team, the Chicago Cubbies. You know, Chicago people love their Cubs, but they just couldn't figure out how to get it done. And but they always had these spurts where they were contenders and they would get close but could never really put it together and they would blow it up and try it again and finally stuck and he was able to get all the right pieces together at the right time and finally win a World Series and however long it was. And so I think that it's the teams that can figure out when they're bad, figure out when to cut losses, and figure out how to get good again is the teams that, you know, have continuous success. And, you know, of course, be able to pay for players and pay contracts helps. The, you know, baseball is different and not different, but kind of unique in that way where old money really does go a lot further than uh, some of the newer teams left anywhere. But, it's, you know, a really good sport for quick turnarounds. If you're able to recognize it and willing to sacrifice the winning of some games today for the winning of championships tomorrow. Yeah, and as we speak, as we've recorded this, uh, the Nats have dropped another one to the Mets, 3-5, so... They have, uh, they've dropped again. So that's, yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah, the, the Nationals, uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it is the, the I, I, I don't know. I got nothing to really add to this. It's just really disappointing, to be honest, that this season is going the way it, it, it's going. We said before the season even started that even without Bryce Harper, you know, all the acquisitions, this team should actually be okay and should be able to, you know, be able to possibly win the NL East. And it wasn't just us. It was a lot of MLB experts were saying that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> it's just really unfortunate that the season's going this way. It's only May, but you usually don't see big comebacks like this happen with baseball teams. So um, the only thing that, in my opinion, that we should be looking forward to is seeing who we can get in the All-Star game. And it would make it better if the All-Star game was here in D.C. like it was last year. But, man, (laughs) I guess all we can look forward to is to see who will be in that game. Anyways, that will do it for us here at DMV Dispute. Just want to remind you all, you can follow us on Twitter at DMV Dispute. 
And before we go, just want to also remind you all to subscribe to the podcast wherever it's available and leave us a review on the charts. Uh, You can find us on Twitter. I'll remind you all again, our Twitter page is DMV Dispute, but our personal Twitter page, pages are as follow. I am J-Squared021. Gerard, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at RoddyKG. That's at R-O-D-D-Y-K-G. Thanks for listening, guys. What about you, Darren? I am D-Bird Hoops. That's D-B-I-R-D Hoops on Twitter. Join me for some WNBA talk this week because the WNBA season starts on Thursday and the Mystics open on Friday in New York. So join me for some... uh, mystics talk if you want all right all right don't forget to check out dmvsportsnetwork.com follow them on instagram and twitter at dmv underscore sn and if you want to join the team contact them via twitter the website or shoot them an email at dmvsportsnetwork at outlook.com thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all next week peace peace Peace. guys thanks